our epistle reading comes from the letter to James, the letter of James, the fifth chapter. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you describe yourself as a patient person? Well, more importantly, is that would others around you describe you as a patient person. So that's one of those things that we come to today in our letter to James, from James as he begins to speak to us of what it means to be patient. I mean, what does it mean to be patient in this Advent season, this very time that is meant to be preparation, meant to be that very waiting, that coming, that very simply patient, hope-filled reality of waiting for something to come. What does that Advent patience look like where everywhere else is that Christmas is already in full bloom? So what does that mean, though? Not just at this time of the year, but throughout all of our days and all of our very situations, is that where do we see that patience at work within our lives? See, I loved a number of years ago, I saw a little video. It was called the Marshmallow Test. Is that they would go ahead and they'd place some young children in a room all by themselves that they would put this one beautiful marshmallow in front of them and say, is that I'm going to leave for just a second. Is that if you go ahead and resist eating this marshmallow until I get back, that I'm going to give you another one. So now, how do you think those kids handled that waiting in the midst of things? There was a lot of rocking, and there was a lot of picking, and it's not technically eating when you just pick off a little bit, right? Is that there was a lot of sniffing and smelling and everything else is that they would kiss it and set it back down because that is not tasting, right? that there is that struggle in waiting. But what then happens at the end when one little boy was rewarded with his second marshmallow is that he jammed right, both of them right in his mouth because that waiting was over. Then how well do you think that you handle that marshmallow challenge? Well, maybe not marshmallow challenge, but how do you think that you handle those tests of your patience. See, I thought that this week, as I would go ahead and prepare this sermon, that I thought, yeah, I'll spend some additional time this week thinking about patience. What does that mean? What does that look like? 
is that instead this week I got the joy of having the Lord put all sorts of fun-filled tests of patience in front of me. Is that I swear every single driver that was in front of me yesterday tested my patience. <laughs> so when I walked into church last night and was ready to go ahead and get things started roughly 40 minutes before church happened and all we could get on was the wreaths and the Christmas tree, needless to say, that patience wasn't quite there. <laughs> that then, after the midst of that time where we did our children's message, and after service I was dishing out my little candy, and I went ahead and handed one off to a junior high kid and said, now wait, don't, don't open that till Christmas. Now you probably heard junior high and you thought that's already a test of patience already. That when she went ahead and said, yeah, that's not going to happen, and then she busted it open and ate it in front of me, that tested my patience a little bit. See, we all have those very things. That we begin to see that very struggle. Is, it this, is this just a matter of the will? Is this just a matter of clamping down and somehow I'm going to be more patient? <laughs> so we all know how that is going to go. But what is it that James comes to speak to us today about? Of just simply putting our will to it, putting our mind hard at it. I mean, is that what patience is all about? Or what is it that James now begins to speak to us about? Is that James comes and speaks to us that very word, that be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. That over 2,000 years, and yet we wait. So, how does that patience come to us? That how do we see that very thing at work among us? That God says those very words, that James goes on to say, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early rains and the late rains that you also. Be patient. I mean, how many farmers out there do you think plant their crop and simply say, all right, when's it coming in? Is that how many just impatiently look at all of the weather, all of the things, is that if you cannot begin to bear with at least some sense of patience, that things are outside of your control, that how can we begin to be patient? See, I think that's the very thing that James is trying to get us to consider today. That how many of us are trying to control too many things. To expect to control junior high kids, that's just not going to happen. I should have given up on that a while ago. <laughs> so no, how many things do we think that we can control, that we can plan, that we can go ahead and section off and think is that now everything is laid out and everything is perfect and now the plan will just go forward. So what is it that God invites us to? He invites us in the patient trusting that he is the one who has things in his control, that he is the one who has our lives in his hands. He said, we are not the ones who will control how quickly things develop. We are not the ones that by our commands or our demands that things might arrive. 
that this isn't just a matter of wrestling our emotions or somehow setting our will. So what is it that James is calling us to? That he calls us in the midst of all of the trials, all of the tribulations, all of the difficulties, all of those things that continue to not go as planned. That we don't get angry about it. (laughs) That we go to God in prayer about it. (laughs) That each and every time that these things happen, God gives us that very invitation to remember that we are not the ones who are setting the scene. We are not the ones who are in control of all things. That each of these are that invitation to put our trust, to put our hope, to put our very sight on the very things that are important. His promises to us. Is that what is it that James reminds us? Is that we are looking forward to the coming of the Lord. That has he proven false to his very promises? Has he indeed said something that he will not fulfill? So what is it that we see today? Not just in our world of simple impatience, that we want it here and we want it now, is that we don't want tomorrow delivery, we want it right here today. That we live in a world that's constantly pushing, constantly pressing, constantly living in that way of we want things now. But what does it look like? And what does it mean for us to trust God's plan and not ours? I mean, just look at the test case that we have before us in our gospel today. Is that John the Baptist, would you say that he's a pretty faithful person? Would you say that he's a pretty faith-filled person? That here is John the Baptist who with such firmness, with such authority and such trust, had earlier in his ministry continued to point to Jesus and say, Behold the Lamb of God. Look at him. That is the one who is coming. That he was the one who saw the very baptism of Jesus and saw all of the wonder that was there, that he again and again pointed not just others, but even his own disciples, that he must increase and I must decrease. Today in our gospel reading, it says from Jesus himself that John was the greatest of all prophets. And yet, what do we see today? Is that we see John, who was once so firm, so solid, such one who was so trusting and faith-filled, now asking questions and doubting and sending concerns about his very life. That he sends two of his disciples to Jesus and asks him the question of all questions. That are you the one, or should we look? for another. What happened to behold the Lamb of God? (laughs) That what happened to this is the one, that he is the one who must increase and I must decrease. What happened to all of that? That why is John now asking, are you the one or are you not? Was I the one who said truthful things or did I not? What has happened in John's life? And what happens in our lives as well? John was now suffering. He was in pain. He was uncertain 
because things were not in his control. Things weren't going according to plan. So what happened to all of that? That one greater than I is coming, and he will baptize you with the very Holy Spirit and fire. So why am I now in jail? That why am I now if with a very threat to my life? That why am I here in the midst of everything that's going on? That if this is who you are, then why don't you do something about it? See, isn't that a little bit more like our patience? That we can eke it out here and there, but when we're in pain, and we're asked to simply not just deal with something, but to sit in that very place of knowing that things aren't going our way, but trusting that God is still in control. So do we not struggle? So if John, the greatest of all of these, struggled as mightily as he did, then how do we expect much more of ourselves? So Jesus Christ is the one who holds out to us this promise and this very hope that where we meet our end is that he is the one who is there to catch us. That where we find ourselves struggling is that there he is upholding us and strengthening us. Is that he is the one who keeps on going. He is the one that does not give up. That he is the one, the only one, that would go so far to the cross that when he was able to say it is finished, that it was done. That your salvation and mine was one. It's not something that we need to go out there and do. It's not something that we need to go out and work out ourselves. It's that no, our salvation is held out there for us because Christ has won it for us. So what does he invite us today? What does it mean for us to be patient for his coming? That he invites us to rest in his hope, to trust in his promises, to rely on his grace to stop trying to control things or stop trying to somehow control ourselves, but to simply lay ourselves down and say, God, I know you have this. That he invites us to that word of the gospel, a word of the gospel that says that in my very work in you, that you are forgiven, you are loved, and you are the one who now comes to know a peace that goes beyond understanding, a hope that even in the darkest times can light your life. That even though we may find ourselves going through our difficulties, our trials, and our pains, that he is the one who promises to us that he will not let go. That I don't care where your darkness is today, that he desires to shine his light. That may he be at work in your life and may he continue to direct your eyes to the very hope that is yet to come because he shall come again to take you to be with him.